Oh, whoops. You there, Web? Yep, I, I am. I just never have like the video on. I don't know why. It's. Mm. Oh, I don't, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to have mine on today because I'm actually afraid oh. the. Uh, I'm afraid I'll lose connection. We're having like thunderstorms all morning. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll, I'll I'll keep the video off too. I guess. Just to... I mean, you don't have to. That's that's a treat for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Ultimately, we seek answers to three questions. Does the remake do justice to the original? And if you just watch the remake, do you get a good sense of why the original was successful or not successful, and thus remade? But most of all, which movie to watch, the original or the remake? All right, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> all right. Yeah, Peter, just let me know when, when you're ready. And Webb, you, you said you're good. You're ready, yep. to, you're ready to host the show, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. This is going to be... Thank you. Original <laughs> Web, not original remake. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we agree I will take a nap. Excellent. <laughs> Yeah, Peter, you can just wake up at the end and give like the final vote, like a oh, right, tiebreaker. Right. That way, you could have the most important role. Like you don't yeah. say anything the entire episode, but as it yeah. tiebreaker. vice president, the vice president. I picked the original version of the Incredible Shrinking Man. <laughs> what? The wrong, wrong movie? The wrong episode entirely. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I, I listened to the old boy episode that you guys did. Oh, the uh, one where I was completely uh, disgusted with what I was seeing on screen. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and, and it's funny, it's a trilogy that I've been, like, uh, on the verge of revisiting soon, so. Uh, and then you mentioned it for trilogy talk, and I was like, okay, let's, I think I, uh, I've i got the uh, motivation to do it, so. Yeah, let's... I don't. Maybe I'll pass that <laughs> month. Maybe I'll let someone else, because I mm-hmm. clearly am on, I'm in the minority when it comes to that that movie. Well, the the other two are just as horrific. Um, I th- it, it, I don't think uh, there's the like in any of the sex angle, like anything gross about that. But they're just as um, frightening and mm-hmm. bleak. So yeah, if if you didn't dig Old Boy, I doubt you're gonna enjoy the others. And, and Old Boy is the one that's like the favorite of the three, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys started the, the episode. Is it the first or the second one? That, that is the trilogy. second. Second one. Yeah, my favorite is the first one, the one that's, uh, I think, least liked critically. So, figures. Um, uh, so, for your... I was just... This is just uh, not anything to do with our episode, but oh, yeah. for, um, it's terrific. Are you doing just the, the Matrix trilogy? Or are you doing the two sequels? Or what are you doing for that one? Um, I, I decided... I want to do two and three because everyone loves one there's no mm-hmm. point in me being like hey wasn't one great nobody's gonna <laughs> you know people are gonna be like yeah um so i started with the second renaissance which is um the animatrix have you guys seen the animatrix mm-hmm. um, when it came out yeah when it came out okay well uh, the animatrix i think is fascinating it really made the entire matrix trilogy more of an experience and the second renaissance goes through and discusses why um, the machines and humans went to war. It's it's really excellent. Um, and so I am almost like five pages of like a script 
um, it is usually about 20, 25 minutes. And I'm already, I'm close to getting to my five pages, and I've only done the second movie. So I hope I can squeeze it all into one, because I really don't want to split it up. But I, yeah, I really wanted to focus on two and three. Gotcha. And even even with just that, like, I have had to avoid the whole, um, uh, what's, his, what's it called? The, the Merovingian mm-hmm. representation of, like, power and constant and cause and effect. And, and, like, I have to avoid all of that just to, like, there's so much going on in these movies. I, I hope that it's not just going to be me being, um, I don't know, just me being a fanboy. I hope I can actually not convert people, but at least give people a, a second... Uh, um, What's it called? Like give them a reason to revisit these films. So well, you've almost got Dave there, right? Yes, I think so. I think um, and if he doesn't, he hasn't even seen three. Which I like. Even the worst trilogy, I'm like, I hate this. I usually I get through them just to be like, okay, I can have an opinion. But uh, I guess two disgusted him so much that. He was not even um, he didn't even bother with well, three. Which... They came out with like within like six months of each other. So mm-hmm. you'd, you'd figure you'd just go ahead and wrap it up. It's not like it right. took you know five years for it, and you were you were over it at that point. Everybody went to Revenge of the Sith. Like everybody went there, despite the fact that two and one and two were garbage, and Sith was. I'm. I guess I'm in the minority. Like I think it's pretty horrendous as well. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Oh well. Oh well. I do think uh, they would have done better financially if they had held the third Matrix for the following summer as opposed mm, to a November release. Uh, I, uh, or wasn't the original intention to do both of them in the summer? Like they were just supposed to be like, like it was supposed to be like a uh, Memorial Day weekend and then late July. And then I think oh, man. that would have been the summer of the Matrix. Um, I don't remember that being the plan. I just, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't remember um, if that was the plan. If they had split it up and done it like a full year in between, I think it probably would have done worse because people were already put off by the Matrix Reloaded. So a year goes by and um, I don't know. It's I, I think no matter how much time you put in between those two movies, it still would have been the same result. Like people who went to three or the ones who I guess – um, I, either there was obligation or genuine interest. I don't think it won any new fans, like part two. So, oh, oh well. I'm kind of the weird one in that I love the second one. I was not mm-hmm. a fan of the third. Usually, it's people just hate the sequels entirely. Yeah. Uh, or or and you're well, I don't know. I think you're the first person I've ever met to bask in the glow of the sequels. <laughs> but I really love Reloaded. I'll have to go back and watch all three of them though. I, I I hope you do. And the thing is, like the first one, and a lot of what I'm including in the episode is specific to um, a, a couple commentaries by Cornell West and Ken Wilber, two philosophers who went through and like discussed the uh, all three movies, and they mentioned great points. And I've read essays, so it's a lot. Like my my episodes are just my whole podcast. Like I don't know how much original stuff there is, but I am doing a lot of research and presenting the information. And it's uh, – the first film is just so simple. It's very – it's blatant. It's good versus evil, and, and that's what people like about it, that there's not that much – like despite the fact that there are – there's a lot of interesting science fiction, um, there's not that much uh, – the, the ideas are not that complicated. Um, everything you know in the Matrix is bad. Everything outside of the Matrix is good. People are enslaved in the Matrix, and they're free outside, and that's it. Machines are just evil. 
that that's the whole that's all part one and then part two all of a sudden you realize things like the oracle who you believe is just this wonderful human being who you know has these premonitions and she turns out to be a com- uh, a computer program and so how can you really trust her and then the concept of machines being completely evil goes out the window so all of a sudden you know when you're not told what to think i think it becomes an incredibly harder to appreciate something and that's what uh, it, it actually transitions into heartbreak kid really well because um i have some strong opinions about the sequel the heartbreak kid it's just plain old-fashioned corny lingo sir uh i have fallen head over heels with your kelly here uh, it just you know it didn't take me long to make up my mind one good look a slight complication um I happen to be a newlywed. We're coming, Miami! Miami Beach, here we come! Here we come, Miami! Come, Miami Beach! You may have seen her around the pool. Lenny! She's a, a nice girl, but just uh, not, not, not really my type. I put cream on. Uh, I married her because I, I thought it was the decent thing to do. Tell me it's wonderful, Lenny. I just said it. How many times you want me to say it? If you wouldn't keep asking me so much, you would have heard me say it. It's my plan, just as soon as I uh, work out this messy business here, to uh, to follow you out to Minnesota. The current temperature in Minneapolis is three degrees below zero. It's two degrees below in St. Paul and four below at the airport. And to uh, lay claim to your, your lovely daughter here. I love it. I love it. All my love. I wanted to be in a place like this. With a girl like you playing a game like this. I, I would like I would like to know, uh, in all candor, how you feel about what I've said and uh, to ask if I have your... Not if they tied me to a horse and pulled me 40 miles by my tongue. Well, sir, that's, that's an honest answer, sir. I think Peter and myself are hoping you were just going to come in here and tell us what to think. <laughs> so, Peter, are you ready to, to roll? We'll do our sort of brief introductions and introduce Webb and then get into it. Yeah, I was, was taking my nap like I said I would. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, like, uh, go ahead and start into talking about the movies. Or, no, no, uh, just, to put your, okay. just introduce your name. and We're actually okay. really bad about Introductions Web because we've mm-hmm. got a standard intro, and then we forget, like, during the recording, like, what do we mention in our intro? Like, do we need to, mm-hmm. like, mention our names again? And sometimes we don't, and we're just anonymous. And... As a rule, I always uh, say who I am and what the show is. Uh, Stan Lee is the one who, um, I think, said that some every single comic book is somebody's first comic book. So, uh, um, yeah, let them know uh, who you are and, and, and what you're doing here. And, and I think um, it, it's always a good jumping off point, in, in my opinion. In my opinion, it's just, it's just me. All right, Peter, inter- introduce yourself. Uh, or you don't have to. You can use a fake name if you want. But they won't, right. they'll be none the wiser if they're a new listener. Right. <laughs> I'm Carlos today. Are you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, greetings and welcome to Original Remake. I am Martin. And I am Cornelius, and our guest today is, who do you want to be today, Webb? <laughs> I think I'll be Webb. I think I'll be okay. I, I'm so bad at being other people, so uh, I'm barely good at being myself, so let's just... Let's but just... no, um, he's Peter, I'm Mike, we, uh, we host this, this podcast, and unfortunately... 
the main host Carly is not with us yet again today, so we're having to substitute uh, once again. But we have a great guest in Webb from the podcast. It's terrific. But so before we get into whether or not the Heartbreak Kid, the original or remake, are terrific, uh, Webb, tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast. Sure thing. Uh, my podcast is called It's Terrific. You can find it on iTunes or any other um, podcasting app that you guys use. Uh, it is a podcast dedicated to the films that deserve a second chance, uh, a film that did not do well in the box office or didn't do well critically or it did do well critically and people still hate it, or a film that maybe was just forgotten. Um, and I, I want to give these movies a second chance. So I'm three episodes into this podcast. It's a fairly new adventure, and I'm having such a great time. I feel very, very inadequate with all of the other wonderful podcasts that I'm getting to uh, listen to and all the different podcasters that I'm meeting who are just so bright and um, articulate. And I'm, I'm hoping that I can keep up with you guys. Well, we're here to give you the confident boost that you need once you're finished with this recording. Um with the Heartbreak Kid in particular, uh, I think we can all agree that the Ben Stiller remake was a box office sensation and critically loved. And that this <laughs> yeah. other piece of garbage with Charles Grodin, uh, completely forgotten. So, uh, Webb, uh, I- I'll admit that I am one of the, the dumb Americans who had never seen the original, but it's actually, talking with you offline, it's a little bit hard to... Like get a hold of the DVD is like sixty bucks or something. Yeah, it's as soon as something goes out of print, man, um, and that's what stinks. As soon as something that's good uh, uh, comes out, I feel like sometimes it gets those limited runs and then gets forgotten. If anything, it, you should get a mass release that everybody can access. That's how you get to enjoy some of the really fantastic um, uh, uh, these gems. Like I was able to find a copy of the remake for ninety nine cents at uh, a used, you know. Uh, a used DVD store, and I'm sure it's everywhere, Best Buy, wherever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a copy of the original, nowhere to be found. So um, we'll start with you, and then I'll, I'll go to my uh, co-host Peter. Uh, had you seen the original before seeing the remake? No, I had not, and I think I vaguely saw the remake, like in passing, perhaps on television. Um, so, and I was familiar with how poorly it was received, but that's about it. Um, what's interesting is it. it when you mentioned the Heartbreak Kid, I I immediately got excited and, and wanted to do this episode because it's directed by Elaine May, and I had just uh, finished um, watching and, and recording a podcast on Ishtar, one of the most reviled films um, <laughs> ever made, uh, uh, and one that most people haven't even seen. And I, I found out that she, uh, Elaine May directed like four films, and Heartbreak Kid was one of them, so it immediately was on my list, and then... It was meant to be that you you contacted me and was like, hey, we're going to do an episode on the Heartbreak Kid. Would you want to join? I was like, yes, absolutely. So We love when we have a guest that reacts that way, especially to something like the Heartbreak Kid. Uh, Mm -hmm. Probably not going to get that reaction too often. I totally agree with you on Ishtar. I've never seen it, but I recognize it like... uh, Heaven's Gate and Waterworld, yes. like these uh, famous, like dis- or I guess infamous disasters. Uh, Peter, what about yourself? Had you seen uh, either of the Heartbreak Kid uh, versions before this podcast? Um, first off, I just want to uh, thank Webb for coming on because you know him being on, and um, I-, I could sit back a little bit and t- take a take a snooze. <laughs> um, he-, he says he wants to talk about it. I will let the man talk about it. <laughs> Uh, I have not seen the original. Um, I kind of knew that it was a remake, but um, that was the extent of my knowledge of its existence. 
but the remake, I it, it's not one that I avoided. It's just after hearing, um, you know, people's thoughts about it in the theater, it, it kind of deterred me a little bit. But my wife and her friends, um, they went, uh, and they they didn't like it. So my 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 wife is usually kind of a sucker for com- you know rom coms. Um, so yeah, for, for her and her friends to say that they didn't like the movie, I just it was never a priority and never on my queue or anything. Well, let's get into the rom com nature of both of them because they're both. Uh, I don't know if dark is the word. I would definitely say the original, the nineteen seventy two, is very dark. It's a dark comedy. Uh, I guess the 2007 remake is just very crass and very crude. I don't think it would appeal to the general public as a romantic comedy. Uh, I'd say that applies for either one. You're not going to get, you know, as I've said on the podcast, and it's the movie I most want to do, you're not going to get You've Got Mail uh, as far as, like, the the warm and fuzzies. So, uh, Webb, uh, how do you think each one of these films sort of handles that that sort of... um, curveball as far as the romantic comedy be it the uh the darkness of the original or just the the crassness of the uh the remake yeah neither of these films are romantic comedies in, in the way that we think of romantic comedies at least in the modern sense and the heartbreak Kid, the original absolutely is a dark comedy um so dark actually that there's i did not laugh uh, I, I chuckled uh, uh in in specific moments but yeah and its take on romance and love is pretty bleak, um, and it comes from a real selfish uh, point of view, which I, I appreciated. Uh, it, it's something different. Um, whereas the remake, you're right, it, it's the Farley brothers who who did the um, something about Mary, and that was a big hit. Uh, but there's a sweetness there that is missing in this mm-hmm. film. A- absolutely, and a lot. A lot of the uh, you're right, like crass humor uh, which can be very what's the word um i guess polarizing either you're you're down for it or you're not and it's it, it, mixing it with romance is difficult to do you're you're water and oil i think and if you don't have the right balance uh, i think apatow like kind of found that mm. balance in, in recent years but uh, yeah this wasn't it peter did you find the remake uh funny at all in some parts, but you know, it's because it's a fairly movie. You know, I'm not a huge fan of their movies. I mean, I, I'll watch them, but you know, after the movie, I kind of felt like, yeah, it's, it was kind of fairly movie, but it wasn't going to be a classic of theirs at all. Do you think they were uh, restricted in any way by uh, the the original web? As far as you know, there's a lot of. There's a lot of thought put into the original that I feel like the Fairley Brothers, uh, just based on the humor they're going for, uh, it doesn't fit. They clash as far as like them trying to apply sort of their take on relationships. It's like they don't really have a take. Um, whereas the the original is very much walking out of the theater. If you were going there with a date. Uh, it would be a terrible date movie to go on because I feel like you would both be looking at the other person uh, with like suspicion in some way, like wondering like, is this really, you know, am I satisfied in any way? And it, it like, will I ever be satisfied? Uh, whereas I, I feel like the, the Fairley brothers version is just like, um, it's just greed. It's just like, Oh, I just always want to upgrade to like a better model or just like, I'll, I'll just do that there. And I, 
with the way they end it, they never really show that you'll never be satisfied. They 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 almost make it like the Michelle Monaghan character is the one if he can just like get her. Whereas with the original, you know, Sybil Shepherd's the one for a certain period of time. But the way they end it, it's like mm, probably not. Probably nobody is. And uh, do you just feel like it's just too heavy material for the Fairley brothers to like sort of attach their name to? It's not so much heavy. What they did is they stripped the original of that satire or, or any of the thought. And, and it's funny, you said that it, neither of these are good date movies, and I agree to some extent. Like, the remake, absolutely not a good date movie. I, I guess it depends on the kind of date you have. But I think The Heartbreak Kid, uh, the original, is a great movie for a couple who are in a relationship. I, I think it, because at the end of it, you're going to have – a long discussion about it and that and i'm all about that i watched the original with my brother who is a bigger buff than i am and we had an incredible argument that lasted a good like 30 40 minutes about um the ending and and what we thought about it so uh i think that the heartbreak kid the original god i keep saying the heartbreak on my show notes i've got i've got two columns and one says the heartbreak kid and one says the remake so <laughs> if i ever forget if I mention the heartbreak, it, it is so, so bad that it lost the naming rights. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Peter, I, I think I'm kind of in my at least in my mind, I'm disagreeing with Webb here. I don't I don't know if in practice because uh, it's not you know I didn't watch this with my significant other uh, either film uh, is you know watching the original. Would are you up for uh, for that long discussion with your loved one? Because I don't know if I you know that that sounds terrifying to me. Long discussions. Yeah, I I don't know if I'd want to get into a discussion about. <laughs> Any of these movies, to be honest, after them. Um, and here we are. Yeah, my wife isn't a huge movie fan anyway. There's very few movies she'd, she'd watch, and there's no formula to what she picks. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think we've ever sat and talked about an ending about a, uh, of a movie, so I can't imagine having to talk about these. I feel like uh, one thing was the ending... Um... Uh, we'll we'll get into like further details as far as the differences between the two, but I, I do find the original one just to be far more interesting as as far as if you're going to talk about it for an hour on a podcast. Yeah. Um, Before we get into further details, um, the original, which you guys kind of already mentioned, it's uh, 1972, directed by Elaine May. <laughs> uh, we do uh, we are concluding our Charles Grodin month. Um, <laughs> Accidentally, so Charles, our Charles Grodin. Month. <laughs> yeah, he, he's the your, your lead, Lenny. Civil uh, Shepherd uh, plays Kelly. And uh, Jeannie Berlin plays Lila. Um, that's uh, Lenny's wife. And uh, Eddie Albert, Mr. Corcoran, I want to say. But basically the story, if no one's picked it up yet, where I, I guess we didn't really mention it. But, um, you know, leading man gets married, but he ends up meeting somebody else who he thinks is the one. And um, both movies kind of handle it a, a little bit, a little bit differently. Um but I guess that's pretty much it. We'll get into details, so I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and in the um, the remake, it's it's Ben Stiller as uh, the Charles Grodin part, and uh, Malene Ackerman is playing Lila, the the one that he. Uh, well, I, I would say, here's the difference right at the top. Um, <clears throat> you know, in the remake, they sort of establish that he doesn't know what he's getting into with Lila, and mm-hmm. the remake. I don't. I never really had a clear idea as far as how long they've been dating. We we see him in sort of a montage playing the field, and we see them 
uh, or at least him attempting like an act of uh, intimacy with her, trying to sort of push things. And she's saying, no, we're going to wait until marriage. And then you sort of cut. So it's, it's very streamlined as far as like, Oh, now they're married and we know just enough that they're not that experienced together, at least not in the way that Lenny has been experienced with other women. So there could be issues there. Whereas with the, the remake, Ben Stiller, it's outside forces that push him, like his father and his friends. Like, you need to settle down. What was wrong with her? Like, and what was wrong with her? Look at, you know, you're just too picky. Um, Webb, what did you think about how they sort of just established the relationships in uh, both films? Um, I, I really liked the the way the original um, set it up. You You don't get a clear idea of how long they've been together, and so you really don't know how to feel about either character just yet. Um, you, you kind of are... You know, it's a little admirable, even, I guess, in the 70s, for um, Lila to be like, no, we're going to wait until we get married to have sex. And, and, and You and I have very uh, <laughs> different feelings on what's admirable, sir. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> well, I mean, well, push come to shove. Uh, <laughs> you know, by admirable, like, I'm, I don't think I'm admirable either. I just, I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm putting, I guess, Lila on a pedestal there. Whereas with... And so anyway, uh, what am I train of thought? God, sex does this to you, man. Mm-hmm. So Lenny and Lila are presented as just these two human beings, and then you get to know them over the course of the next um, like twenty minutes or so, like that first act. Whereas with uh, I think his name's Eddie uh, Ben Stiller in the remake, you immediately are forced to sympathize with him. Like he has that awful experience at the wedding of his like ex girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And so you immediately are like, oh, we ha- this is somebody we're being told to root for. And, and any time a film does that, I, I kind of sh- – um, I, I shy away a little bit and I, I – like why am I rooting for this person? Whereas in The Heartbreak Kid, the original, you're not told and you learn through um, watching these characters. Um, and hmm. let me see. see. That's interesting because I actually had a, the opposite feeling. Like hmm. I felt like – because I, I saw Eddie rush into things that I felt like, uh, you earned this buddy. Like you didn't, mm. I, I felt like since I saw the process of it, that, uh, I couldn't sympathize with him as much. Like I could understand, uh, I guess in a way why he, he would turn on her because I saw that he didn't know much about her to begin with. Whereas, uh, in the original, I don't know, how they interacted before. I know they didn't have like a, a, a physical relationship yet, but I don't know if all those little quirks, like even just the, uh, the diner sequence and the original, the way she's eating like egg salad, like she, uh, that sandwich, he doesn't even seem to know like her, I guess, dinner etiquette. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because that, that quickly is getting on his nerves. Whereas in the, the remake, the touchy feeliness, it's like, well, this is someone that he's only known for, you know, X number of days he didn't know that she was that sort of needy physically and it's going to want to like hold his hand throughout dinner. Or like, uh, I, I guess it's just however you want to look at it as far as, uh, it's, it's the unknown quantity of the, the Lenny, uh, relationship in the original. But see, that's the thing. That's the, uh, uh concept of show don't tell. Mm. Like you're, you're being shown that he's all these little quirks are beginning to annoy him. So you get the idea that they haven't known each other for very long. Whereas in the remake, you're just told, that and then, like they have a uh, uh, who is it a Rob Corduroy I think like, yeah. I can't and mm-hmm. um, Jerry Stiller and so Ben Stiller they're all together and they have this conversation and you're just told how he feels whereas in the original you're shown and and that's the two different styles of directing mm-hmm. I think the the 
remakes is a little lazier, whereas you're given these clues in the original. Peter, what do you think as far as how they, they establish the relationship? Because the thought I had with that is uh, the way the original is set up, that modern audiences wouldn't accept it. As far as a wide release, they would be too mm-hmm. confused and wonder what the hell's going on. Did, did you feel that uh, they could have done that in the remake, Peter? Yeah, I kind of agreed with both of you guys, um, but you're right. I don't. I don't think uh, it would have worked. Um, you know, doing the the beginning the same. I just feel like the remake. They spent a lot of time, you know, showing us the backstory of uh, Lila, and I guess we're supposed to not dislike her, but understand why Ben Stiller's turned off by her. Mm. It, they just spent a lot of time on that. So ironically, yeah, it's kind of lazy, but. But it's like twenty minutes longer than the original, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. It, it it was just way too long, you know. A little backstory here: I was really like killing myself staying up trying to watch it last <laughs> week because I thought we were going to record. So that's my fault right there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Peter had a was it what what time did you start both of these? Uh, one o'clock in the morning. Back to back. <laughs> back, to back. Yeah, these are not movies for for. <laughs> For that kind of an experience, yeah. So you watch those movies on top of lack of sleep, and <laughs> that's that's how I slept. But yeah, <laughs> uh, not in the mood for that mm-hmm. uh, post movie discussion after after that. <laughs> no, definitely. I I wish that I had watched it in reverse because at least maybe um I don't know I could have ended with like oh yeah you know uh, uh, Scott Cordry and Danny McBride made me laugh. You know I I could have had some kind of feeling the original i don't think you know when it ended i'm like okay next you know good i can go to sleep <laughs> i just I, I didn't i didn't really care um well, but as, as far as the way their uh lila is handled i i kind of i'm kind of divided like i, I kind of appreciate that they didn't show us everything but then i think in the remake they just showed too much and i'm just like okay i get it you know she's someone i'm not supposed to like you know she she talks about uh, the deviated septum from cocaine usage and and pee, being peed on because she got stung by jellyfish. All these things is just like it, it. Just not only was it just a bad timing for Ben Stiller, it was just like you, you just you know bad luck. You know you got the short end of the stick to hook up with this you know uh, nut job. I mean I don't know what else to call her. She's she's crazy. She is really crazy. That's a great point. Like, she is set up as somebody who is a bit psychotic. Where in mm-hmm. the original, um, I think Lila is just, you know, a woman. Like, she, mm-hmm. I, I felt very sympathetic towards her through the entire movie. She doesn't do anything wrong. She might be a little, you know, emotionally needy. But that's really about it. And that's not something that's so egregious. Whereas in the remake, she is a legitimate villain for uh, Ben Stiller. Hmm. I kind of right. liked her in the, the remake. I thought she was, you know, that's someone that I... I could hang out with. She'd have a lot of stories to tell. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to True. be wed to her, but uh, I, I actually liked uh, somewhat how the, the Fairley brothers handled her character, because, or at least maybe it's Moline Ackerman's performance. I feel like she's totally earnest, even when she's saying really crazy things. That mm. It's like, I thought that she, the way she drops these uh, sort of huge revelations to Ben Stiller that are meant to be turnoffs, 
are just like, what's the big deal? Of course. Yeah, this is my, what, you didn't know that about me? This is my life. Yes, of mm. course. Yeah, I've been urinated on. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I had dabbled in cocaine usage. Yeah, that was my boyfriend who tried to mug me for money on the street. Of course, these are things that happen. And I'm like, you know, I, I found that endearing about that character. <laughs> <laughs> that's me, though. Uh, that's that's a really interesting <laughs> point of view. I hadn't thought about that. Like, I just thought, I, like, I was very much, uh, um, I, I guess, with, with uh, Ben Stiller's character, I was just like, this is, this, this is pretty psychotic. <laughs> I don't know. Well done. No, well. Eddie's just not lived is what I took from it. <laughs> okay. Uh, very boring. Um, let's talk about some of the smaller changes they make as far as the, the revelations in the relationship. I, I brought up the, uh, you know, the, the diner sequence. Uh, mm-hmm. Another, you know, big change, uh, even though there's similar acts that happen in the film, we're meant to take different things from them. Uh, the, the car singing and the original is mutual. Uh, whereas yes. in the, in the remake, it is, I guess, you know, Lila's having fun, but uh, it very quickly, Ben Stiller, I mean, it's all over his face that this is getting on his last nerve. And I think we, the audience, are supposed to revel in how bad this car trip sucks, like with right. her singing and the pop music. Uh, what, what, what do you take from the original, though, where it's, uh, you know, it's a couple sort of just having fun initially singing songs together? Well, I found it really interesting that the original actually used that um the singing f- to showcase a very specific character trait for Lenny so um bef- and and the point of no return is the sex I, Lenny is an incredibly like shallow and selfish character who is really driven by sex like it, when they first start singing like everything's okay like they both are terrible and they both revel in it and it's actually you know it's a touching moment and then they have sex and it doesn't go well for Lenny. Like, he doesn't have a really good time. And then when they go back to the singing, all of a sudden, the singing annoys him. And I think that was a really great way to showcase Lenny. And, and you begin to see, like, what kind of a person he really is. Again, you're being shown this. Whereas in the remake, it's just kind of like, oh, let's use this for a cheap laugh. Mm-hmm. And... Eddie is like annoyed the whole time, and they do the different like uh, the melody, no, excuse me, medley of songs that um, Ackerman is singing, and and it was like I, I didn't laugh, but I mean I, I understood that it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did their yeah, job. I thought, I thought that way. Yeah, I thought that way quite a bit during that movie. Um, <laughs> just, like I, I think this is supposed to be funny, but I'm not laughing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, yeah, that's just exactly how I felt. Um, I don't know if like I mean I I, I did like Malin Ackerman in, in in here you know she wasn't terrible um, I I did kind of find myself questioning like what what's the draw in Eddie that makes you know Lila and Miranda just you know kind of choose him over other guys because um, he doesn't come off that charming really you know that I think both of the um, lead characters in both movies are kind of unlikable. Mm-hmm. I think that's an excellent point. I hadn't really even considered that, uh, Peter. Like, because I'm, you know, I'm Team Lila here. Like, you know, saying that she's had all this world experience and she's awesome and she rules, and it's it's everyone else who's psychotic in this <laughs> this crazy crazy world. But yeah, like for someone with that background, uh, why would she choose him? It's, I mean, that's really never established, and I guess we're led to believe that it's because he's uh, a very stable person that she 
but that doesn't even seem to matter to her. It's not like she's a gold digger or anything. Like she, she doesn't come to his store and is like trying to like set him up in any way. Like I, I don't even think the way that Ackerman portrays the character that she even has those type of motivations here. Well, I think uh, Kevin Smith um, in one of his podcasts talked about two kinds of people, the why people and the why not. And by your description, Lila in the remake is very much a why not type person. Mm -hmm. She does things, um, you know, very um, spontaneously. And so I I could see her being with Eddie as just like, hey, why not? I just came out of a relationship with a hobo who tried to steal my purse. (laughs) Let me go ahead and try this much more, you know, stable guy. Yeah, I like well, the salt and pepper thing this guy's got going on. I like it. You know, it's, it's, yeah. um, but you, you got to, uh, um, oh gosh, I forgot how to segue into this. But back to that boyfriend, um, you know, she did have his wallet, which had money that she owed him. So that's that's not his fault. Um, that he was mugging her so you gotta remember Um, right but from her point of view it just it it felt like a mugging and that's why like she's that like again going back to um what peter and i feel like because she is that level of like i guess psychotic that she legitimately feels like i'm being mugged maybe she's just evolved from us (laughs) it's just an easier way to live um i want to go back to uh web your point about Lenny and sex, which I don't yes. think is in the remake at all with, with Eddie. I, I think he uh, has a fear of commitment and mm-hmm. being with the same person, but I don't think he's any sort of, you know, uh, he's not out for just sexual conquests left and right. Um, right. And, and they they play that really extreme in the remake and that, uh, even myself, uh, Team Lila here, uh, I would be a little terrified and uh, at the you know what I'm being asked to do as far as the 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 sexual Olympics that she wants to compete in, like the the first time, like on their their uh, wedding weekend. And Are you telling me that you don't know how to jackhammer a woman? Is that is that what you're telling? I'm me? telling you common that knowledge. I yeah, I mean, I know how now. But, you know, it, it's something that uh, you break out. It's like the Super Bowl. You know, it's a special occasion web. You don't just... <laughs> you don't jackhammer every night. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I got shit to do. I got to live, man. I need but the off-season. The, uh, the, the sex, again, one of the things the original does is it uses all these aspects of a relationship to tell this story and to kind of... Um, analyze what it all means in a relationship whereas everything is just used as humor or mm-hmm. attempted humor in the remake so so the sex i i think showcases um lenny's character whereas in the remake it, it it's just there for that um like smutty humor which the smutty humor didn't work for me but oddly enough like the <laughs> right, I'm gonna try to put this delicately, but the actual like concept of the sex did do it for me. I was I was much more um, pleased on a personal level with what was happening <laughs> between Lila and Eddie in the remake versus was happening with uh, Lenny and Lila in the original. So in the original, you've got um, the second sexual experience, I think is a great um, example where the whole time Lila is like, is it good for you, Lenny? Is it, is it wonderful? Tell me it's wonderful. And Lenny just kind of, you know, doesn't want to hear that where the whole time I'm like, Oh my God, I would love for a woman to, (laughs) you know, be very vocal in in, in that whole process. I'm, I'm just one of those people. I'm, I'm as you can tell, I'm a podcaster. I like talking. So I like talking everywhere. Makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and so but are you saying I, the, the original or the remake as far or both as far as the the well, vocal stylings there? Both, both. I appreciate. And so when Lenny, you know, uh, yells at Lila in the original, um, like, oh, it's good. You know, you don't have to keep asking me. And I'm like, oh my god, the filthier the better. Keep asking me. Like that's, <laughs> that's what I want. <laughs> And then so and and I got that in the remake. One of the few aspects of the remake that I was like, right on, I can get behind this. Where the whole time she's uh, extremely vocal, like jackhammer me, and and you know I, I oh, and then she's asking him, do you like that? And he screams, no, no, I don't. And you're like, oh well, now I know what to do when you're naughty. I was like, yes, <laughs> this is exact. So on a personal level, um, I was very pleased with it. On a film, you know, film out in terms of film analysis, I, I was like, yeah, this doesn't really do it for me, but I was, uh, you know, hey, I, I, I learn about myself when I'm watching these films, so <laughs> well, that, that was really neat. That goes back to my point that, you know, there's something to the, the new Lila there. This Eddie guy's just a yes. stiff. He's just not adventurous. Because <laughs> uh, I, I agree with you as far as the the remake goes, I I find myself I, actually just, you know, I wish that's what the rest of the remake was like. That mm-hmm. that one sex scene, basically, is if they want to make it, you know, Eddie unlikable in a different way, I would yeah. be cool with that. But I feel like oftentimes they don't really push it that far to where he's unlikable. And I think that's what the original has all over it is that yeah. Charles Grodin and Elaine May, they're just willing to have Lenny just sink even further. Whereas I feel like in the remake, at a certain point, we want him to claw his way out of this. We want him to escape Lila. Mm-hmm. And I don't... Maybe Webb or maybe Peter, you felt that way in the original that you wanted him to attain uh, Sybil Shepherd. But I do think there's a general, and this is my favorite, you know, movie review word. There's a general ickiness to it all <laughs> that you know you're going to end up just hurting this like kind of innocent, sort of sheltered woman who has no idea it's coming. She has no idea that she's about to be dumped, and that's in at least in the remake. You know, I I don't think we're meant to care at all what Lila's reaction is going to be. We just want Ben Stiller out of this and chasing Michelle Monaghan. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that that's absolutely true. And they try to make Eddie a little unlikable. Like there's that scene where he calls um, his dad um, to try when he first has those initial like um, worries, and which, which I think is probably the best scene in the film uh, or see at least the best line where, he he tells uh, Jerry Stiller like, "Oh, she's doing this and that," and and Jerry says, "Are you kidding me? When your wife asks you to cock her, you cock her good." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, brilliant! <laughs> like that's the my one takeaway from this movie. When your wife asks you to cock her, you cock her good." And so, sound advice, almost like something Yoda would say in the right? training sequence. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it, I it, saw that on the deleted scene. There's <laughs> <laughs> another special edition from Lucas. Right. <laughs> I, I I want to say that yeah there were th- that's an attempt um, by uh, the remake to try to make or add depth to Eddie's character, but it ultimately fails. Whereas the original, they they really do. Um, they don't try to make him unlikable. They just present him as is. And I'm sure there are people out there who all they're looking for are sexual conquests, and they're like they completely agree with Lenny. And so. But most of us are like, no, what he's doing to Lila is bad, and so we dislike him. And so that puts us in a really awkward situation because in a movie, we, especially in a romantic comedy in that genre, we want somebody to root for. And in the original, we just don't have anyone to root for. Peter, here's something that kind of is on that note. Um, Simple Shepherd uh, is basically Maline Ackerman as far as when she appears on screen. Like, we don't really know much about her except she's beautiful. And 
I feel like what they do with her uh, in the original is much different than Michelle Monaghan, who becomes mm-hmm. the like the new woman, the other woman. Like her Miranda character and Eddie actually develop like a friendship and a relationship where he he knows about more about her and her family than he does his wife. So it feels like okay, this is who he's supposed to be with because he's actually developed some sort of rapport with her. Whereas what I think is kind of brave about the original is that there's like no rapport with the Kelly character at all. Like she is the, uh, you know, cliched like blonde ice queen who just sort of smirks at him the whole time. Uh, did you feel that they were sort of playing fair with, <laughs> with the, uh, the Miranda character in the, in the remake? Because I, I felt that it was kind of a step back that it was, uh, it was, it was a way to make the audience feel that this is more palatable for him to dump his wife. Um, sorry, I wasn't paying attention. I was thinking about Sybil's uh, camel toe. <laughs> did, did anybody catch that during the sex scene? I think we found our Lenny on this on this episode. But... <laughs> it was right there in the bottom corner. Uh, can't miss it. Um, so I'm guessing you don't have, you have no issues then with the way that Sybil Shepherd is is sort of uh, introduced as just this figure to be attained. She was she she was hot in, in <laughs> the original movie, um, yeah. Which, which is funny because I'm more of a brunette guy anyway. But um, I like Michelle Monaghan. Um, what was the question? Like, which do you one feel do that I... it's fair that they give us so much information about Miranda as opposed to we really know nothing about the Sybil Shepherd character in the the original? Yeah, I mm, I don't think they showed us too much. I. You know, they they spend a lot of time on Lila, you know, which which you liked, and so they're spending just as much time with the other girl to kind of show us the difference, you know, as far as you know what we kind of know about Lila, and then what we see that kind of unfolds with uh, Miranda's family. Uh, but what what I want to know is, what did you guys think about the the difference in the um, those those characters, Kelly and Miranda, where? In the original, Kelly knows that uh, Lenny is married and doesn't care. And and in the uh, the remake, you know, Michelle Monaghan, she doesn't find out till later that he is married. But not only that, they throw in a little thing where there's a misunderstanding, and her Miranda and her family think that Ben Stiller's wife had been murdered. I think that. Um, again, like Mike, I gotta disagree with you here. Uh, Kelly is like that Shiksa goddess character who is just absolutely the person to obtain, and I think she is really used again, once again, to build um, Lenny's character and to showcase him as this shallow individual. Um, Kelly is through through some of those interactions, which I absolutely love. The whole concept of "Hey, you're you're in my spot," and she does that a number of times. Um, and it's it's so sexy, and, and, and she's teasing him, and she uses other people's emotions as more of a plaything. And I think she realizes that even when you see her later in the movie um, with her, like, college boyfriend, I guess, um, she kind of does the same thing to him. And so she – through those exp- through those interactions and those conversations, you, you do get – to know the character, you don't really know her backstory. You get a ton of backstory for Miranda, which again, a lot of uh, you know, which occurs all in pretty much conversations. But in in the original, you do get to see the kind of person Kelly is, and I like that. You don't get to you see backstory with her and her family. You know, obviously they're very wealthy, but ultimately, I, I think I, I like the way that she was portrayed as this. A, obtainable goal for Lenny again to showcase more about uh, who Lenny is as well. 
well, uh, you know, as I said, I'm team Lila here. So I, you know, <laughs> I like to know all the, I want to see the freak show on full display. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that, uh, that was, uh, actually my biggest issue with the whole development with Miranda in the remake was the, uh, the fact that I did think it was really cool that Kelly knew that Lenny was married and, mm-hmm. To her, the way I read it, it didn't really matter if anything yeah. came of this or not. Like exactly, that's that's what I found so interesting is and how much of like this just um, not not so much carefree, but like she doesn't see these relationships or emotions as anything but just to kind of toy with. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and I got to mention my favorite line. Uh, I think of the original, which just uh, okay uh, after Lila gets sunburn and. Um, Lenny goes downstairs uh, to get a beer. There she is. She does the whole, hey, you're in my spot again or in my, in, in my stool. And so – not poo. Uh, and so Kelly <laughs> – uh, Lenny gets a, um, like, gets a beer and some beer nuts. And so Kyla takes some of those nuts and they have their little back and forth. It's, it's really playful and sexy. And then she ends a conversation with thanks for the nut. And then there's an audible um, like – occurs um which was my pants exploding because that was so fucking sexy (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh my god like she's so she's just absolutely this giant tease and i love it and and again um uh, showcasing uh who who and and what kind of person kelly is i think they set it up really well yeah the the miranda character does not at all with eddie because it basically just shows that he just wants someone normal and nice basically Mm -hmm. that's that's all it could have yeah, I don't think it had to be Miranda in particular, and that makes the it makes the fact that they choose to make that the quest where he, and at least the the end of the remake, he doesn't attain her. There's the hope that he will in the very last scene that there's yeah. a possibility. But I would, if if that's the case, if she could have been anybody, it makes more sense to keep the ending of the original where anybody means that nobody is going to satisfy Eddie here. The same mm-hmm. with Lenny. And it's weird to me because I think you're exactly right, Webb, that in the original, the Sybil Shepherd version is like this goddess. Yeah. So you get why he would go after her. And, you know, nothing against Michelle Monaghan, but they just don't ever portray her that way. They, just, You know, she's not meant to walk in and be the uh, the one that makes everyone's sort of head turn. And she doesn't, you know, she portrays herself unfortunately like a sort of uh like mary from there's something about mary sort of like that girl next door who likes you know beer and sports and is Mm -hmm. very relatable and uh i would have preferred some distance between eddie and her um a little bit more like the original well the ending for the original really doesn't work in the remake because the character isn't set up and and once they get together if you had that moment uh with Ben Stiller being like well now what like it doesn't really make any sense because <laughs> I don't know see that worked for me right there <laughs> well now what <laughs> okay fair as okay as, as more of a joke like a, a, a... A, a more of a clever joke than anything in the remake. You're right; it would have worked, but in the context of somebody who's taking the film seriously, like you know, it, there's no way um, I think it would have worked. I think it's the first time in podcasting uh, someone has sort of lost their point because they've made the other person laugh. I'm like, no, no, that totally works. <laughs> Keep it. 
Peter, you've been, uh, I was presume uh, asleep on this. So let's, uh, let's, let's bring Sybil Shepherd back into it because that, that, that'll liven things up again. What, what did you think specifically about the, the ending and, uh, how both uh, Lenny and Eddie remain unsatisfied with their, uh, with their results? I, I don't know. I have uh, mixed uh, feelings about the, the the rebake as a whole, you know, with, with um, some of these differences, uh, specifically with Miranda never questioning Eddie's character. Like, why are you here? Or, you know, you're on vacation. Who are you here with? That never comes up. And I just feel that's so unrealistic and um, too cliche, I guess. The the, the story is just, it, it's like a bad Adam Sandler movie. You know, maybe that's why he wasn't in this movie. He knew it was going to be bad. But I don't that's think not he has a reason. That filter. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I guess you're right. Um, again, with the remake, you got we find out that uh, Eddie is yet again married to Eva Longoria of all people. Like, uh, why? <laughs> you know what? What is so special about Miranda at this point? You know, I think it had been 18 <laughs> months. You know, he's moved on. Got married. Like, you know, it. I don't know, man. The 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 ending of the original, I just I I did not care for. Um, the I, I had such strong feelings about that that the ending of the original I was just like okay all right let's let's go to sleep now it's it's fine <laughs> is that your is that your affection for Sybil Shepherd coming into it uh, I like her camel toe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, here's why the ending of the original works in my opinion, and why the remake doesn't because Lenny gets what he wants in the original and is still unhappy, whereas. Um, Eddie in the remake doesn't get what he wants because he still hasn't gotten Miranda and he's like unhappy. So that in of itself, it's like there's no character arc there for him. But there is one in the original where uh, you have um, Lenny on the couch like talking to those kids and those kids are like, well, we're done with this and they leave. Mm -hmm. And so he is unable to like relate to this new family. He got what he wanted. He he got the, the goddess and he's still empty inside and and he's still that shallow person and so i think that whether he's realizing that or not like i think it's a great way to leave the film because um and i don't know how much uh what's the word how vindicated you feel like you you hate in my opinion like you on you hate lenny throughout the runtime of this film and and in the end you see the kind of person and that empty shell of a human being that he really is just driven by um, these artificial things. And so I, I'm not, you know, it depends on how vindicated you feel. Like, oh, okay, like that was a happy ending or not. Whereas in the uh, in the remake, it's 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 just played for a joke. You're like, oh, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Well, it's because the, the Charles Grodin version uh, is, you know, he's a liar. He's lying to himself. I mean, mm-hmm. when, he's, when he's pitching this Minnesota family about, you know, his views on the world and uh, that, that very awkward uh, and horrifying sequence where he's talking about like the good, honest food that they've made for <laughs> yeah. him. It's just, he's just such a bullshitter. And I understand you're quite taken with this part of the country, Mr. Cantrell. Leonard. Yes, ma'am. I like what I see out here and I like what I breathe out here. And I've just about made up my mind that I'm going to make this my home. Oh, well, from what I've seen, I'd say you're a very determined young man. (laughs) I take that as a compliment, Mrs. Corcoran. Well, I don't mind saying that this is one of the finest meals that I've ever had. 
Oh, thank you, Leonard. It's simple, you know. Mr. Mr. Corcoran doesn't really care for fancy food. Though I imagine you've tried just about every kind of exotic dish in New York. Exactly. See, that's, that's the trouble. It's exotic, but it's not honest. I mean, it's fancy, but it's not, it's not real. I mean, this is honest food. There, there's no lying in, in that beef. There, there's no uh, insincerity in those potatoes. There's no deceit in the cauliflower. This is a, a totally honest meal. You don't know what a pleasure it is to sit down in this day and age and, and eat food that you can believe in. Oh, what an original way of putting it. <laughs> like, so you, I think it's earned because you can tell, like, you know, he's lied to everyone else so effectively uh, to get what he wants. You know, some of them believe him, some of them don't. Like, the mother seems totally taken with him, and the father, obviously not so much. Uh, yeah. But, you know, he's never really question until maybe the very end of it whether he's been lying to himself if this is something that's you know if he if he needs kelly if it's going to make him happy like he's never even really questioned it before because but i I think that's the the biggest issue i have with uh and that's what peter was talking about with the with the eddie version is that it's just these these kids that come in and sort of spread this story about his wife uh, dying and he doesn't know he's lying to them. He thinks that they know the truth mm-hmm. about his situation. So it's, he's obviously he's more sympathetic. Like, it's just like, yeah, he's doing something uh, out of bounds as far as trying to ditch his wife on their honeymoon for another woman. But he thinks that everyone's on board with it. And like, he thinks he's being accepted by this family. Like everyone's like cool with this plot. I think that's the, the weakest um, change in the new version is they just didn't, you know, they just didn't really have the balls to kind of go through with making Ben Stiller a totally unlikable character. Um, right. Yeah. It, you know, that kind of brings, um, it kind of reminds me of the scene where in the uh, original, you got Charles Grodin finally talking to uh, Lila's father. And it's just, isn't it just one long shot? Right. That scene where he's just like, yeah, you, you know, I want to marry your daughter. Yeah, I'm married. But, you know, I'm not in love with her. I'm going to, you know, divorce her. So that way, you know, I can be single and marry your daughter. Just that, that scene. At the uh, dinner table where they're all yes. sort of crammed in. Yeah. 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 I kind of like that scene, you know, and, in, in you know, the change in the remake, it was kind of anticlimactic. You know, when their family finds out it, it I didn't I don't feel like it was earned. I think we're, as an audience, we're just wanting it to be over. And it, you have this weird, uh, I, I don't think the uh, crossing the border sequence uh, works at oh, all. Uh, I, I found that racist. Yeah. <laughs> actually. Um, and it's and like, I think it, around ahead. that time, it is, you think that was kind of like a social commentary? Because around that time, that's when the, you know, the, the border stuff was on the news uh, often. I don't think it was social commentary from the Fairly Brothers. I think, as Webb has said, I think numerous times in this episode, I think it was just an easy joke. Yeah. It was just easy and sort of topical, I guess. Um, but it's like, you know, it's strange to me that that's, that's replacing uh, this New Yorker going to Minnesota, which may as well be, you know, Mars, I think, to New Yorkers going to, you know, he's going into the, <laughs> into these, these strange, like, Midwestern folks and, uh, you know, it comes off as a complete scumbag, um, which I, I forget. Where is it in the, the remake that they're from? Or they, it's from a southern... I think, I think it's Minnesota. 
Is it Minnesota? I thought it, for some reason I thought it was a Southern Mississippi state. in the Mississippi, remake. Yeah. Is it, yeah. Okay, Oxford, it was like yeah. yeah, it was like snowing. So, uh, oh wait, I'm sorry, the remake. I apologize. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I was thinking Dan McBride was representing the South in some way. Um, mm. Yeah, um, I just you know, pacing wise, by the time you know Peter talked about it, it's 20 minutes longer. By the time we get to that, you know, the movie kind of dies for me. I thought it was for the most part kind of. Uh, fun but harmless uh, in in Mexico. It's like okay, this is just kind of dumb fun. But then when they stretch it out, uh, his quest for Michelle Monaghan, I was I was I was done with. It. I didn't find any of it amusing anymore at all. And mm. uh, just I thought you know I don't, if their point was that Eddie becomes just as psychotic as Lila, um, you know for me they didn't achieve that because I never thought she was psychotic. But I think I don't know if that's what they were going for with his sort of bearded look or nothing. Yeah, Webb is shaking. His I head don't no. think so. Yeah. Webb has no faith that they were going for any sort of point whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, okay, uh, you guys just mentioned um, uh, how, how honest that they were being, and I again it, it adds dimensions to this Lenny character. The fact that he is the scumbag, but he's being so honest to to be that scumbag and, and he's able to tell uh, kelly's father all these things and uh in the remake they just kind of give eddie an out that oh it was just a big misunderstanding mm-hmm. yeah. and he gets he gets pissed on and that's that's right into mexico um so we've uh we've really uh i think you know said that the remake is better in every way possible <laughs> i think that's what our <laughs> listeners can glean from this i think so um, <laughs> I, uh, there are a couple things actually. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, uh, I do. I, I made a quick list of things that I that I liked about the remake, and I thought I could oh, just okay, go good. through them real yeah. quick. Oh, oh, great! Real quick. Okay. <laughs> Continue talking. You know, you're the one who's bringing it, and we are taking a back seat. We bring people on to take over the show. You know, we just thought this was a good idea. That, that's it. We didn't want to carry. We're looking for guests know. to execute it, basically. Okay. Um. Again, this is stretching it a little bit, but here we go. Because I, I really wanted to look for things to say, all right, I, I appreciate it. And I've came up with three of them. There's a scene in, after um, Eddie and Lila have sex for the first time where she like needs to go pee and then she queefs. And it's used as this joke. And and she's immediately like, oh, that wasn't what you thought it was. And, and it wasn't very funny. But what I did like about it is the intimacy – well, I hoped um, – it would it would do, but the, it, the movie didn't. There is a sense of intimacy between two individuals who get married and, and who know each other, and and you get to kind of see the worst in the other person. I think I think when when you see the entirety of a human being and you accept them, like that's that's true love. And so one thing that I thought about is like if a woman queefs in front of me and I'm okay with it, like that that's that's how I know that I'm I'm in like you know absolute like true love so You're saying I, for the romantic uh comedy crowd the date night uh there would be a knowing sort of chuckle there if they're if they were truly comfortable with each other yes okay. exactly and i think that's a good barometer like when you're okay with you know a queef or a fart or a you know uh something something that's something uh that involves bodily function with another human being that's a great sign so that the while that's not a good thing about the film it did make me think about it so i'll give the film credit all right cool all right um i enjoy okay so i hate carlos mencia hmm. uh, and i hated mm-hmm. him before this film but the thing is i hadn't seen anything in him i just i mean to me uh anything that he was in and so i was just one of those bandwagon people because i was just like oh, he just does not seem funny 
And finally, I can say that I watched him in something and I didn't like it. So, (laughs) you know, this gives me justification for disliking Carl's Mencia. For years, I didn't like him. But now I can be like, okay, all right. I I legitimately don't like him. He was not funny to me. Actually, when I saw him on screen, I felt like it dated the 2007 version more than the 1972 Mm -hmm. version. Because I was like, oh, my God, there was a time where Carlos Mencia was really popular. Yes. And this this had to have been it. This was around that period. And it just feels... Some like some sort of strange uh, alien time period in our civilization. Uh, but yes, I, I agree uh, on all your points there. Exactly. So again, once again, not really the film doing anything good, but something that I <laughs> earned from the film. So I'll give it to it. Um, and the last thing, it was nice to see Stephanie Courtney uh, in a film and not in a progressive auto commercial as Flo. So right. I like that. I think she's quite charming in those commercials, and I don't know what kind of a filmography she has, whether she's been on TV or tried to make it into film and then you know got this sweet paycheck from Progressive. But it was nice to see her in the, in the family. I was like, oh, her. So good for her. Good for her. I, I didn't even know, uh, notice her at all. So No, oh, I'm one of those weird guys. Like I, I notice odd things. And I remember, like, the odd things. And so she, for whatever reason, um, popped out to me. I was like, oh, my God, it's Flo from Progressive. Anyways. Yeah, I didn't I didn't catch that off the bat, but I did read that afterwards because um, I, I like to read up on the credits. And mm-hmm. because, you know, so, some people, they, they they have prosthetics on, and you don't know that's them, you know. Um, but uh, I think her the, her husband in that movie was also an insurance guy on a, on a different commercial. Um so that was kind of fun, and I didn't realize from the heartbreak. Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't realize Herschel from uh, Walking Dead was in this one either. Yeah, Herschel, that's right. Yeah, because he's all shave, clean shaven. I'm like, that guy looks really familiar. I couldn't place my finger on it, and then when I saw his name at the end, I go, "Oh, that's right, that's Herschel." Okay, mm-hmm. so um, that was kind of weird to see him too, uh, in in that role playing Boo. 2007 was a good year for Flo. She also had uh, looks like a five episode run on Mad Men. So right on. That was, that was oh. the peak for her and Carlos Mencia, apparently. Um, oh, man, I'm sure she's getting a fat check from Progressive. Like, sure, those commercials, sure. while not, you know, always original or entertaining, like, uh, it, it's, a, it's a good marketing campaign because I recognized Flo. I didn't recognize, you know, uh, Stephanie Courtney in the movie. I recognized Flo. So, well done, Progressive. Um, <laughs> I don't think I have... Uh... Like three nice things to say about the remake. I already, you know, said that I like uh, Melina Ackerman's performance. Mm-hmm. I liked her. Uh, that's yeah. That's that's about it as far as what I thought it brought. Now, to be fair, I'm I'm going to follow up my one nice thing by saying that even though I really liked her performance, uh, it is nothing compared to uh, Jeannie Berlin's performance, uh, Elaine May's daughter. Correct. Yes, that's correct. Uh, I thought, you know, for the most part as I was watching these where I had seen the original or I had seen the remake before the original, I was like, well, this is clearly different. She's not, you know, sexy Melina Ackerman, like the beautiful blonde. And I thought maybe they were going to flip it a little bit. And, uh, the Fairley brothers did not obviously, but, uh, she has that killer scene. Is it terrific? Is it terrific? Did I exaggerate? Is it worth waiting for? It's fantastic. Okay. Now, Save some room for that great pecan pie, right? Yummy, yum pecan pie. That hurt me, sir. Lenny, are you going to tell me something that you want to discuss? What is it, Lenny? 
What did you want to tell me? Hmm? <clears throat> Pardon me, sir? I'm afraid we're a little late with the pecan pie. Chef tells me we ran out about ten minutes ago. Would you like to order something else? Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> what are you, is it, are you joking? What, how's it? No pecan pie? Sorry, sir. No pecan pie? Honey, what are you doing? Do I... <laughs> I mean, the main reason we came here is for the pecan pie. Oh, that's all right, honey. No, it's not all right. I mean, they should have said that to us at the door. I mean, they should have warned us that there was a danger of running out of pecan pie. Well, there is one small piece left in the kitchen. Would you want that one piece? We also have some excellent blueberry pie. I mean, we drove all the way from New York. Listen. Take it. Take the pecan pie. We can share it. I don't want to share it. I promised my wife the pecan pie. I want you to bring the pecan pie for my wife. I promise. Just bring me some coffee. No blueberry pie? What do I want any blueberry pie for? Yes, sir. It's not a reject, is it? I mean, it's a perfectly good piece of pie, right? Yes, sir. It really bugs me. No, no, I mean, I've been talking about that pie as far back as Virginia. If I'd have given him ten bucks, you'd have pecan pie flying out of your ears by now. They got it back there. Honey, I'm getting the pie. And I'm very happy. Honey. Tonight's been the best night of our whole trip. Hasn't it? Aren't you happy tonight? See, that's, that's part of what I wanted to talk about. Um, geez, it's warm in here. You know, you pay these kind of prices, the air conditioning is faulty in here. It's just... I think it's probably your sunburn. Go on, honey. What were you going to say? No, I was just, I was just going to say that, uh, um, that, uh, when I was sitting out on the hot courtroom steps this afternoon, uh, I was thinking that in three weeks, you're going to be 22 years old. You're 12. Right. And the really fantastic thing about being 22 years old is that you have your whole life in front of you. I know, we both have. And... I mean, the people you could meet, the places you could go, the things that you could do, it's just... Lenny, I never thought that I'd get to Florida. That's right. I mean, what some women would not give to be 22 years old, it's just a... That's right. I know it. To go when you want to do, to live. To live. Do you know what I mean? To live. Is that what you mean, Lenny? We only pass through once, right? I mean, we can't squander it. No matter what happens, we're just passing this way but one time. We can't squander it. Once is a lot. Once is a whole lifetime. That's why we have to use and learn from anything that happens. We have to learn from the good, from the bad. From the happiness, from the tragedy. We have to learn. We have to use it all. To use it all. You're so deep, Lenny. I never knew that you were so deep. 
Do you sense at all what I'm trying to uh, say? Um, do, do you, uh... Oh, Christ, it's so hot in here. Is it hot in here or is it hot in here? What? I, I, I don't understand. What, is, what are you trying to no, tell no, me? No, I mean, I'm getting me, nervous. Let me, let me. I'm trying to say... We have to prepare ourselves. We have to prepare ourselves for anything, you know? I mean, everything could be terrific. The world could be singing. And then suddenly, suddenly for no reason at all, it's over. It's, it's over, Lyle. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, Lenny. You think I know what you're trying to tell me? Look, I didn't want it to happen. I didn't plan it. You're good. You're good. You deserve better than me. You deserve much better than me. I didn't want it to happen. I didn't plan anything like this. Oh, Lenny. Oh, Lenny. Oh, my God, Lenny. <laughs> Oh, Lenny, you're dying. Oh, Lenny, you've got something and you never told me. Oh, Lenny. I'm not dying. Who said anything about dying? I went out of the marriage. I went out of the goddamn marriage. Listen to me, listen to me. We're not right for each other. We're not right for each other. It didn't work out. I tried to tell you as far back as Virginia, but you couldn't see it. You were too busy yelling pee-pee every two minutes. Let me get to the bathroom, please. No, 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 listen, listen. No, listen to me, please listen to me. Listen to me. Listen, isn't it better it happens now than in 10 years from now when we got three or four kids running around? Please pay attention. I don't want to have to say this a second time.
Listen, I, I would like, I, I would like, if possible, if possible, if we could settle, settle this, this, this tonight, you know? Because, you know, checkout time is, is 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. And unless, unless you want to stay on for a couple of days and, and then, and then, you know, I'll work that into the settlement. I mean, it's, it's just, you know what? I feel, I feel that we're over the worst of it now. I, I actually, I feel closer to you right now than, than, than I think we've ever felt before, you know? Sometimes when two people experience a common tragedy, it, it creates a bond between people that can last a lot. You know what I would like to do? You know what I would like to do? I would like to have, that we should have dinner sometime, you know? And I think that then we could look back on all of this and we could see all the good, all the good that's come out of this. That's the way, that's, that's the way I would like this to end. Wouldn't you? I mean, don't you think that's a good way to, uh, to look? <laughs> the the pecan pie scene. Like that, that entire breakup scene yes. is phenomenal, mm-hmm. and uh, you get nothing. I mean, you get the stupid like, uh, like mariachi like band, like, and it's basically Ben Stiller freaking out. Uh, they don't allow it to like hold on the moment on the fact that he's actually dumping her. Which I also, mm-hmm. you know, I just keep going back to the remake. It's just it has no like courage whatsoever to like do any of these like cruel things um, because it, it ends with her pissing on him. Um, I I love that pecan pie scene. I love that he's freaking out about the pie. I love yeah. that it's this long build to her, and you get to see her uh, initially sort of reject it, and then sort of like in one sequence, like like grieve the marriage, grieve this like life that she sort of saw for herself, and then sort of come to terms with it all in one sequence. That was uh, excellent. I love that scene. Absolutely, absolutely, and and it it also builds upon Lenny a little bit where. Despite the fact that he's selfish and shallow and all these things, like he still needs to build up the courage to do this thing that's obviously going to hurt her, and and it it shows that there might be more to the guy than just that. And again, that that's what the film does. It has so many of these scenes where you're shown exactly um, what these characters are really like, and it's not as one dimensional as the remake is. I had one. I had one final note that we've not talked about, but we've we keep going back to the ending just because I, I love the ending. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know if either of you all were thinking about it immediately, and especially since this came out in '72, the very heavy sort of graduate feel that yes. the ending has. Uh, you know, did that sort of change it as, at all? As far as it, it seems like they came coming out so close together, it seems like this one sort of riffing on that i don't know if that's the case but uh elaine may and uh mike nichols had you know worked together so closely as a comedic duo for so long um what, what did you think about the sort of the, the graduate feelings that that last shot holds i haven't seen the graduate in a while so i can't comment on it with you know perfect um a really good analysis here but i i didn't mind i, I thought um that you can definitely do like a really interesting pairing of the two films. Um, very much felt the same way in terms of like that ending. Like I, I liked it because that's uh, at the risk of sounding 
I've got like, oh, well, that's how it is in real life. It's like that that kind of is. And that gives it a little more depth and it gives it more meaning for me for a film to do that. I think it's I think it's pretty bold. I, I had no problem with it, whether it was a reference or not. Definitely Elaine May and Mike Nichols are really good friends. Um, and they have a wonderful conversation on YouTube if you just type in Mike Nichols, Elaine May. And it's posted by the magazine Film Comment. Um, where they do like an hour and they discuss May's career and they bring up the Heartbreak Kid. So I had no problem um, with uh, kind of alluding to The Graduate. Hmm. I just wondered how it played uh, when it initially released. If, mm-hmm. you know, because, because if, let's say, we had the modern version, like, you know, let's just say The Graduate came out in 2012 and then this Heartbreak Kid came out in 2015 as original properties. I feel like in the you know Twitter age that the ending would get picked apart for being mm-hmm. far too similar. But uh, with some distance, I, I think it you know it works really well. And Mike, you want my opinion on, on that? I, I'm wondering, if, have you seen The Graduate, Peter? Yeah, I, I love The Graduate as much as I love uh, Point, point uh, Blank. Uh, point Break. Break. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, that one, too. Not seen... <laughs> um, <laughs> So uh, I, because of my love for the graduate, I I, I like the ending. <laughs> <laughs> right on. That's all. That's all I got. <laughs> I don't know if we can really end the episode any better than that. Uh, that that makes me even more sad than the ending of the Heartbreak Kid that people have not seen the graduate or Point Break or Point Blank. We'll throw them all in there. Yeah, all three. Well, I was thinking of Gross Point Blank. I guess you have seen that one, right? Um. Oh, God. <laughs> breaking my heart like oh this would be like uh this is the podcast version of the heartbreak kid where me and, Pe- <laughs> me and peter get married and i start finding out all these films that he's not seen and i'm just like just shattered like what have i got myself into but I, I think i think i do own it though okay that's a step that's a step yeah and and i've seen the cover box many a time <laughs> we're getting a blockbuster so okay well i've actually got one uh let's do one final question if you guys don't mind sure um and uh, it was brought up in the old boy episode at the beginning, and so I, I figured why not bring it up here. Like, what? Why was this movie remade? Like, did it need to be remade? Do we need to update the Heartbreak Kid, or does it? Is it something that the topics um, and the conclusions that we come to from the original um, are they outdated? Like, is this a film that needed to be remade? You know. Um... Well, thank you for bringing this up because we do have three questions that we're supposed to answer every episode that we almost went through an entire episode without doing. Um, thank I mean, you for that's hosting why. the show. Appreciate it. Exactly. You know that, that's why. Yeah, um, I I can I can see why it's remade, and I can see why the changes that were made were made. Um, if I had to choose between the two, I think for people uh, like us who you know watch, you know who appreciate film and watch movies to kind of review it for for our shows, I think I think the um, the majority you know would pick this movie. But I think for the average American audience, I I think I have to kind of lean on the remake. Um, I mean I, that doesn't mean that I think it's a good movie. I just think that's kind of more what they would accept. Um, you know, as far as the ending and kind of how things were uh, handled in the movie, uh, especially with infidelity. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's an well, easy one. Well, not infidelity, but, to, you know. Uh, I think it's an easy one to, to remake. Uh, I you know I think that this is just the wrong... You know, I was actually... I only listened to about half the commentary, so I actually did more research than I probably should have for the, the remake. Uh, so, uh, and... Uh, unfortunately uh, i think this kind of goes to to show like you know who we're dealing with here 
for about half of that runtime. Now, keep in mind, I didn't get to like the end of the film. They're talking about how beautiful Melina Ackerman is and mm. how beautiful Michelle yeah. Monaghan are, and it's like, uh huh. That you know, you didn't do that. You <laughs> you're not responsible for that, sir. So why don't you talk you, about your craft here? Even if they were like, yeah, we got Ackerman naked. Well, she's naked in pretty much every movie she does. Yeah. So even yeah. that's not a feat of its own. Um, I do think that it's something that could have easily been moved to modern day uh, with, with some you know minor changes. Um, maybe from like a cultural point of view uh yeah. that's something that is very different as far as the their spiritual beliefs and the religious background uh, <gasps> oh my gosh that's a great you just brought up a great point that i wanted to bring up i just forgot I, i'm just running point here you just oh, you yeah. bring it home i'll, I'll just toss you the assist <laughs> so you go right ahead um th- there was some religious like undertones in the heartbreak kid because you start off with like this jewish wedding mm-hmm. and then and i mentioned the term shiksa goddess which i believe is also a jewish term i heard it on the big bang theory and, and howard wallowitz said it once so um i, I assume it's jewish <laughs> we really can't trust the big bang theory for anything though so uh fair enough <laughs> but yeah I've, I've heard that used before as well um but and at the end i i believe it's it's a more traditional like christian wedding and there was none of that in the remake. Did you guys notice that? Did it affect any um, – like, like your views of anything? And, and was the film trying to say anything about religion or was it just there? You're, you're saying in the original, was it trying to say anything? Yeah. Was, was there any not, – not so much point to it, but um, was it more than just kind of like a, huh, that's interesting? To me, I took it like uh, – yeah, you, you see the Charles Grodin version – um, I, I guess you know, change uh, faith or whatever. You know, he's he's going to marry into uh, a different faith in in both uh, versions. Now, whether or not I don't ah. I don't know if he himself was uh, you know brought up uh, was Jewish uh, mm-hmm. in the original relationship or not. But it read more to me a critique, not on. I didn't think it was anything about religion. It was just saying something about Lenny, and oh, that he has nothing okay. of substance. Because he can, it doesn't matter to him. And clearly, uh, at least with Lila, I think it, it matters a great deal. I think her because she will not have you know intercourse with him before for marriage. So I think that her spirituality is something she takes very seriously, and he's just a man uh, who's just very lacking in every way. See, that's a great point. Another way the original is giving you these hints and clues about the character rather than just spelling it out for you. And I think that's the essence of the the, the differences the, the key difference between the original and the remake is that they're made for a completely different audience mm-hmm. were we just more analytical or or um more patient in 1972 versus in 2007 and beyond yeah i think uh you know it's what what peter said when we were first getting into this question is the generally speaking i think if you hand someone a dvd copy of one of these which none of us are probably handing anyone that precious uh no, DVD no. copy of the original since it's so expensive <laughs> you, but, you'd have to yeah you'd have to assume that we bought it first huh? <laughs> yeah um i do think that you're not going to get uh as many questioning looks hanging the remake i don't think many people will probably like it they're like oh that movie wasn't that funny or it kind of sucked but i do think that if you hand them the original unfortunately now in 2015 i think that this would be seen as like an art house film yeah. I, and mm-hmm. at the time, I think this was probably a, a mainstream comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think trying to take out those little details like the uh, the religion, the religious beliefs of the, the two female characters, you're just taking out small little details uh, that really sort of remove everything that was special about the 
the original one. But I, I, you know, I, with that being said, I do think that in, you know, let's say like, I don't know if Alexander Payne was remaking the heartbreak kid. Uh, I think that he could do something with it that would be different from the original, but you would understand better. Like, Oh, I get why that original film was so beloved. Whereas yes, with, you know, the Ben Stiller version, you're like, Oh my God, the original is like seen as some sort of classic among people. Why? And that's, you know, it doesn't relate any of that, uh, those special qualities of the original at all. Agreed. Totally agree. Um, so, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think we've answered the three questions just in that one. Uh, yes. well, we're just going to get you to edit our question into <laughs> one thing. So we can just, we just do that one time. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I think uh, for the most part we're we're kind of recommending the the original to most people. Yeah. But although it is it is a hard it's a hard comedy to watch. It's kind of a hard sit mm-hmm. as far as like uh, I don't think people are necessarily going to have a great time with it uh, coming out of it. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, wraps it up. That was uh, the web abyss version of original remake. He hosts uh, it's terrific, and now this show apparently. And uh, <laughs> once again, web tell people where they can find it's terrific. Where can they listen to it, uh, and where can they find you on social media? Uh, I am on iTunes. I'm on uh, and any any app that allows you to search for podcasts. Just type in it's terrific, and you will find it. Um, I'm on uh, Twitter at it's terrific. Uh, I am constantly posting gifs and and uh, a lot of emo <laughs> shit. So please, you know, be prepared for that. Um, but I absolutely love communicating with people over Twitter, and and it, it's just a blast for me to be a part of this awesome awesome community. Um, and I hope if you guys do a you've got mail slash shop around the corner episode, we will. <laughs> we <are>. absolutely <laughs> perfect. Just please let me know, and and um, I, I would love to join you guys. That'd cool. be awesome. I love that movie, so I can't wait. All right, yes. good. We can be unified on that front because I, you know, after Old Boy, yeah, that's that's what I was pushing <laughs> for. It's like, good lord, we gotta do a romantic comedy, something sweet, something yeah. light. But yeah, uh, it's it's up it's up there with a the graduate and point break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Peter, you're breaking my heart. Oh god. <laughs> You can avoid breaking our hearts by continuing to support the show by following us on Twitter at Original Remake. Peter also hosts another podcast with his son Phoenix called Hydrate Level 4, which you can find at HLF Podcast. And I host a show called War Machine vs. War Horse, which you can find at War Machine Horse. All three of those podcasts you can find on followingfilms.com along with some other great shows like Pop Culture Case Study and True Bromance. And if you enjoy Pop Culture Case Study, the host of that show, Dave, will be our guest next time as we look at Birdcage and the original film, which I can't pronounce. Okay, uh... Webb, thank you so much uh, for joining us, giving us the time. Uh, I can't recommend enough that people listen. It's terrific. Uh, great production values, original thank music, uh, a script. What, what is this madness? You're actually like putting on like a production. You don't just like roll up to Skype and just start uh, vomiting comments. I don't understand it. You're not doing no. podcasts the way they're meant to be done, sir. 
No, I know, but but it, it's it's again like I've told you this before, and and I will always stick to it. There's something so uh, um, freeing about doing something like this, whereas I, I'm constantly uh, paranoid about the kind of work that I'm doing on. It's terrific, or it's like, oh my god, is this good enough? Whereas there, I can just relax and have a good time. Like I don't have a good time putting putting together my podcast, but uh, I have such a good time um, hanging out with you guys talking film. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate well, I, that. I, I think you need to take uh, notes from me. This is how you do it. You invite people on, and you sit back and kick your feet up from from enjoying your weekend. Um, that's how you're supposed to do it. I, I, I will have to adopt that. Absolutely. Oh, and you know what? Can I give a, one quick shout-out to uh, – um, you mentioned the original music, mm-hmm. and that's all uh, my uh, good friend Matthew Barbie. He is just an absolute um, treat to work with, and, and when I asked him about – it's true. I was like, hey, man, I just need a theme song. And he was like, how about I do you one better? Let me learn you something. And I was like, oh, my God, what is it, Matt? And he told me that uh, he thought it would be a great idea to actually score the episodes. And it blew my mind. And I can't believe he does that for me. So uh, a, a big, big thank you to him who makes It's Terrific possible. He needs wow. to get in the uh, podcast scoring business. I don't know. He needs to, you know, we, we could have someone uh, come in there and, and be the, I don't actually, you know, we need someone else there. Cause I actually don't know uh, as far as scores, who's considered good and who's considered bad. <laughs> like I, I like Trent Reznor. I like his stuff on the David Finster movies, yeah. but uh, I don't know. Is like John Williams considered cool anymore or not? Does he suck now? People love him because he's John Williams. He he has enough iconic scores. Like nobody's going to be humming Lincoln anytime soon, but people will be humming Star Wars for the rest of their lives. And now I have the uh, the weird uh, feeling that I must download the Lincoln score and see what that's all about. <laughs>